0: This week Hollywood Breaks, we discussed the boomer elite that are running the Hollywood studios that are no longer being honest about what the industry is really suffering with. The delusional press releases that they have that say everything's okay and covering up the reality that the creative process is really in a tailspin. The only big moves a studio is really doing right now is a merger or releasing a thousand pieces of content over a weekend. And that is not what the creative process is about. Um, The creative process is being throttled through a cold cultural revolution that is worried and navigating censorship needs and or honestly just the internal politics of a studio afraid to release anything big. So this week, Keith and I are trying to be honest. We want to talk about that, and we hope you appreciate this episode. So I was cleaning out um, a piece of my garage over the weekend. Ooh, exciting. And I pulled out what was like... I don't know, like a hidden bin in the garage. And I opened up and it was just a bunch of (laughs) videotapes. And I had this weird moment of like, do I... Throw them away? Do I keep these? Because I don't even have a player to play them on. And who knows if they're going to ever be visible? Or do I just ditch them? Like, it's over, right? That part of Hollywood is over. But, you know, like, I just feel like that. I I almost think like, you know, our movie theater is going to be VHS tapes someday where it's going to be like, well, we used to, Ooh. you know, go back in my day. <laughs> well, there's like, in my day, we used to go outside and play. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, we talk about the delusion that of what's happening in the in industry Do people actually, are they reading the tea leaves, you know, with the press impressed? They're saying, no, oh, no, it's fine. Everything's great. We're going to movie theaters, popcorn, hurrah, but and, you know, I don't know. I'm just kind of something's different. That's what we know.
1: Well, it's interesting that you bring up the whole delusion thing, because I kind of had this thought this week on, on a couple of things that I read that were a little infuriating. Um, You know, there's David Zasloff gave this interview, I guess. I don't know. It was that one of these me- media conferences they have. They have millions of them, you know, a year. Um, and he was saying, he's a, he uh, you know as soon as it closes, I'm moving to the Warner Brothers lot because I want to be where the content made is made. Okay, first off, David, most of the movie content isn't made on the lot. Just so you know, <laughs> most of it's shot off the lot. Maybe a little bit of the post is done there, but so so you might want to understand a little bit about the process and how it works. How the game works. <laughs> how the game works before you start you know talking about.
0: It. And really, it's all being done in Canada, to be honest. <laughs>
1: yeah, Canada, Georgia, you know, anywhere but LA, basically um and then he said what the thing that really got me was he's like well we're gonna lean into the motion picture business because that's where everybody wants to be and everybody you know everybody that's where the stars are made nobody wants to be on a show that's going to end up on the streamer and i'm like is this guy for real like first of all you're not jack warner and this isn't the 1940s like right we just had a talk three weeks ago about how the movie star is dead. And here's the soon to be CEO of Warner brothers discovery saying, Oh, we're going to make movie stars again. It's like, really? I mean, come on, man. And then to go off on, you know, putting shows on a streamer when you've got an Oscar winner and Kate Winslet who just crushed it in mayor of East town on HBO max
0: on their own. <laughs>
1: and, <he's sitting> there <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you may want to dive in and see how successful That show was, that's an Oscar winner.
0: And oh, by the way, let's not talk about like Succession, also on HBO, which is crushing it. Let's imagine he's not like just foolishly saying something. Let's just say like that's, you know, he's running for office. He has to say what people want him to say. Okay. Maybe he's really campaigning to the movie star saying, hey, we're not ditching movies because that's the that's the mess he's getting himself into and he has to position position himself into that position from the beginning
1: yeah but I, I honestly i don't i don't know if it's just a. I mean you've got okay that that to me is sort of the the mindset of the 1990s early 90s when it was like i'm a movie star all right i don't do tv
0: i don't do tv i remember that yeah
1: i don't do i'm only in movies You know, and oh, if I do a commercial, I'm going to a foreign country. So nobody in the U.S. sees it.
0: Right. TV is where uh, movie stars went to die.
1: That all changed with HBO. Totally. As soon as they started creating, as soon as uh, Richard Peikler, I think his name, started creating all that awesome drama and the writing. And then FX came along, Landgraf and his group came along. Those days were over. Like, it was like, wow, there is some really great. And even Netflix with House of Cards. The writing was phenomenal. You've, you know, it was just... Oh, yeah, for sure. It, the lines were blurred then. And it wasn't necessarily about being a movie star. It was, it was, it became more about just being in great stories and how much fun they are. And, you know, it, it's cool to be in a show that is 13 hours versus two and a half on a movie theater. Now, are there people out there... And to be fair to him, I'm sure, because Brian Lord gave an interview where he basically said... Um, it was in the LA Times, I think, last week. We might have talked about it last week. And he said, somebody asked him, do you think Warner Brothers is enough to sort of repair their, commu- their relationship with talent? And he said, no. So maybe this was Zazoff's way of saying,
0: we are committed to movies. I'm going to be there. I'm going to make sure. And that's all well and good. Like a like a political campaign. You just make political promises. He hasn't taken office yet. And he has to kind of... Maybe you're absolutely right. Maybe he's running
1: for office, but you know he's already got the job.
0: Yeah, but you know, like, the reason he got the job or or the agenda, if you're changing the opticals of your studio, you say, hey, we're the the conversation we couldn't get out of with the last person was that there was this okay, all issue right. with the creatives who come in with a different agenda. And so he's saying something.
1: That's one way to look at it. But I still think the the second half of the comment was a little... I mean, you just had a huge hit with Mayor of Easton. Yes, that's... And that's an Oscar-winning actress, Kate Winslet, Who's a great actress. Um, and it's kind of pooping on her, just saying, like, yeah, well, who wants to do that? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, this uh, let's be honest, his background is in reality TV. Let's just, that's that's that <laughs> in it.
0: House hunters. Someone should come out and say what nobody wants to do is work for a guy that used to run reality TV. That's
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, listen, Discovery is a lot of reality TV. IFC. Yeah. It's all reality TV, and a lot of it is not that great. Yeah. But that's his, that's the, the bulwark of what he's built there. And again, the movie industry and, you know, creative is the original content is a, is a different beast. So I'm a little, listen, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you're right. Maybe this was sort of a sort of play to say where I'm in this, I believe, but why not just say that? Like, I believe in the theatrical Because why pop off and say, nobody wants to go to a streamer. Like everybody, and then the whole thing about movie stars,
0: it's like, oh, well, then he did. I mean, honestly, what there's a reality, the second part of the uh, comment is what concerns me most. This thought of like streamers are lower than instead of realizing you're, I mean, he's going to lose that argument too. Yeah. Right. That's, that's like my VHS question of like, is it, are you, are you really not recognizing the tightest change and to say, well, no one's ever going to buy a Blu-ray disc. You know, like, no, that's it's already come. Like, it's just part of the economy. So, why degrade it, especially with um, Mayor of Easttown? Like, it's, are you kidding? You're winning. Like, that is, it's yeah. an amazing, like, that we should be hint. celebrating just the reality of People are demanding a second
1: season. I mean, you should be happy about that. I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I understand. Now that you've sort of explained it in that sort of way, I kind of, I better see where he's coming from, but still I I I think it was the wrong way to frame the statement. And for someone like me, who obviously, as you well know, has a lot of issues with the current leaders in Hollywood, you know. (laughs) What What? this (laughs) shocking, I know. (laughs) This sort of leans into that whole thing. It's like it's the same mindset that everyone else in the industry has. Well, what I
0: don't like is is that you have to be combative. You have to uh, knock something down to build something up or kind of like put on a veneer of like fake, a fake front to something. And instead of being kind of realistic with what's happening, Um, I'd rather have some, a leader come up and be strategic. Like I love to hear somebody from the the theater side, like step up and say, here's because of this change, here's what we're going to do. And we're going to embrace (laughs) the change. We're going to make it better. Instead of like, <laughs> speaking of
1: theaters and delusional, the Cinemark CEO came out this week and essentially said, uh, streaming isn't really hurting us. Um, Amazon buying MGM is great uh, for us because they're just going to want more content. And Warner Brothers and Discovery coming together is going to be even better for us.
0: And I'm like, oh, come on, man. Wait, so could you just back up a second? So HBO buying MGM doesn't hurt a movie theater because Amazon Amazon who wants more content. If Amazon doesn't own Cinemark (laughs) Amazon owns prime like that's And Amazon is loyal to prime. That's
1: that's the beast in which they worship. So that's if it's in service to prime, that's where they're
0: going. Like, and, but again, it's like, I agree with you. If there was an executive he's talking to his shareholders, that guy, he's basically saying, "Yeah, but th- this is the problem though. This is what I'm saying. Like I remember I was at a CinemaCon 4 years ago,
1: 3 years ago. And the CEO at the time got up and said, "Netflix is great for us. This is good. More people who more people making content. This is great for us." And it's like, "Dude, like come on. Like at least recognize the reality. I would have more respect for you said Netflix, it's nice to have another person who likes to produce content, but we need to protect the theatrical experience because that's what we do. That's what we do best. Yeah, and that's where we're go- we're going to build it. We're gonna we're gonna to borrow a phrase, build back better, and we're gonna, <laughs> we're going to do things in a way that's going to bring the audience into the theaters. Like it, it's sort of the idea of looking at it from a realistic perspective versus sort of just sort of being so optimistic that you're almost blinded by sort of the, the challenges that are coming your way.
0: Yeah. To me, like, I feel there has to be a way and a strength to say, we don't compare a movie theater experience doesn't compare to a streaming experience. It doesn't compare. Doesn't Sure. There is an hour and a half of distraction. There are actors doing it, but couldn't you say the same about a New York theatrical experience? Like there are actors it's an hour and a half of distraction but it doesn't compare to a movie and a movie doesn't compare to streaming um you know i I know that there was you know historically speaking there was a big fear when it came to 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 releasing recorded music because people would no longer go to live performances and there's probably seasons and in history where like yeah the you know the record sales were reduced the concert sales but like coachella is not hurting bonnaroo whatever like no the live performance still has its its own thing it doesn't compare to a recorded um listening so there's got to be someone out there that says let's stop with the banter let's stop with like comparing and saying it's don't say something that's not true of course amazon buying mgm is has is going to have an effect on if Amazon's going to release a film straight to theatrical or straight to their platform, right. don't, don't be a fool. Right. Yes. Or even this, like, That's okay, so they're not going to, so the James Bond movies are going go to go into theatrical, but all the spinoffs, you know, the, the Loki esque spinoffs are all going to be <laughs> right there to the platform.
1: I don't think Robert Brock is going to allow the spinoffs to happen as much as Amazon well, would probably not, like it yeah. to.
0: But <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of money.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a lot of money there. Sure. But, that's the thing I saw this is sort of the frustration for someone, you know, who who really wants to see the industry make some strides and take the opportunity to see like what the pandemic has wrought and sort of take a look and also see it as somewhat of an opportunity to shift the business and how we think about it and how we attack it in a more positive direction. I mean, a lot of things have happened over the uh, last 18 or so months that have been bubbling under the surface for the last five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now a lot of them happened. The windows have shortened. The studios have sort of taken back the reins from the exhibitors in terms of not touching the 90 day window. So let's embrace that. But at the same time, let's look at ways and be honest about the challenges that lie ahead. It's just, I mean, that's the problem. There seems to be a bit of a delusion there um, in terms of to use the word that sort of started it off.
0: <laughs> so tell me like, like, how's it going with vision craft brew? Like, do you get into these conversations? Because I think all studios and filmmakers are kind of asking your opinion, and you got to be yeah. processing some of this inside and kind of navigating this internally, right? Well, thanks Tim, for bringing that out. I mean,
1: if things are going well with vision craft brew, I mean, there's a lot of things bubbling that this being Hollywood, I can't talk about. There are certain things I'd love to change about Hollywood, but <laughs> you're so Hollywood in saying that <laughs> they're not talking about certain projects that you're potentially going to work on. Um, but I will say that I think what, and what a lot of this podcast has done for Vision Craft Brew and just me in general is sort of people come to me because I look at, they want a different perspective. They don't want to necessarily repeat all the things That they see going on now they want a different perspective they want to see things from a different viewpoint and they almost want me to flip the script and that's kind of how i pitch it like listen like i you know i'm going to use a lot of the tools that i know there's certain things that hollywood's are great at but there's certain things that they refuse to change and that's where i come in to sort of help guide my clients down the road that sort of helps them in a different direction necessarily than they would have gone if they had just you know listened and done what everybody else in Hollywood is doing right now,
0: but I'm going to guess like you're butting heads with some of these ideas with the conversations you're having. You're can't talk about it. Conversations. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever said on this project podcast, but I've said it before. There's a lot of institutionalized
1: thinking in Hollywood. Mm. Um, it's because this is how it's always been done, and people just get set in that mindset. And I think the, a lot of the producers and screenwriters who call me and say, listen, I listened to your podcast. It's great. Um, But I have a question about this. And, you know, I'm honest with them. I'm like, listen, you know, you can go that route, but you're not, you're not guaranteed success in this current environment. I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, I had a client who called me and they were asking me about tracking and just sort of like, well, here's, you know, what tracking. And, you know, I'm really curious about where, you know, the data sets pointing, pointing, you know, going to point in the future. And I'm like, listen, I'll give you a perfect example. <laughs> tracking is unreliable. It is not a reliable, uh, it's, it's an okay point just to look at maybe where the audience is going to look, but look at In the Heights. That was tracking almost 30 million, I think. It turned up at 11 million. It's just not a worthwhile way to look at the data. And then I, I also you know push back a lot on testing. Like I embrace what Thomas, who we had on not too long ago, said, "You know, like you use it as a guide, not as the approve the stamp of approval." And there are a lot of people that I have conversations. They'll come to me and they say, "Like, well, when I worked on this movie and we screened it, it scored this." And I'm like, "Well, yeah. Well, that's also a subset in LA who are all movie go, you know, people who actually probably work in the business." And th- that's not necessarily going to be a- an honest subset. You got to go with what you've got and go with what you believe in. And that's sort of a, a refreshing take for a lot of people because they're like. I've been so trained to just do what the data tells me to do. And I'm like, that's great, but you're creative. Yeah. You're paid for a reason to come up with cool ideas and tell the story the way you want to tell it. And the other thing I tell them is like, and I borrow somewhat from you on this regard. It's like, think about your audience, really study what your audience may want and feel and think. And think about that when you're developing your project, don't just think about, this is what I want to like, think about what the audience wants.
0: That's what I was going to say about tracking, like a, I find that tracking is so... If you have no strong argument, you use tracking as the argument. Exactly right. But if you know who your audience is, you, you would recognize why, of course it's not going to track. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to do what tracking is, tr- is measuring. It's maybe even a benefit that it's not going to hit this general thing. I have a very specific audience or a specific message to get out there. Yeah. And the power of media, uh, especially when it comes to film, is you can captivate an audience for a, a, a period of time, a, a longer period of time than any other medium, and then walk them through a story arc where there's transformation. Yeah, And people can walk out of a theater changed. That, where do you measure that in a on a, a questionnaire? Did we change your life? I don't know. I haven't lived my life yet. You, I just watched it five minutes ago. I can't get to the other side. I say there's a value to data, but
1: it can't be your end-all be-all. I mean, I also say, listen, theaters... The small independents are desperate for content, desperate. I mean, I've had conversations where, you know, I have clients are like, yeah, I've got theaters ring calling me all the time just wanting to film because they just want something to show. Heck yeah. And now, like, this is the opportunity to really sort of push that, you know, boundary a little bit and not just be restricted by the walls that have been erected by the studio system. And again, one of my big passions and what I really like Want to do with vision craft brew is pull the nexus of the entertainment mecca and complex if you will away from new york and la and sort of broaden it out to the rest of the country we have a lot of talent in in this in this country and in the world and why does it all have to filter through a bunch of guys who played whose daddies played golf with the chairman of a studio yeah sure so i like i just want to break all that down and a lot of the conversations i'm having and that's why a lot of people come to me is because I'm all about breaking down those walls and I'm going to tell them, listen, you can use that data as a point, but I'm going to tell you right now, then it's once that movie's released, it's probably not going to be the movie that you wanted it to be.
0: So yeah, I, the reason I say question is, is I just, you know, we're talking about what it takes to kind of get through and like the, I don't know, the, I just call it the veneer again, like this thin veneer of trying to put on a face playing politics to the shareholders. Maybe that's what the Cinemark guy was doing or, uh, uh, Zaslav playing, you know, the game with the creatives so that he doesn't lose a whole bunch of contracts that he wanted to make content with. So that just like, yeah, it's just, you know, verbal diarrhea in a way, like just like get something out there to say something because the world needs you to say something. I don't know. Like it's almost goofy as if we can't read through it, you know? Right. Um, and then to, you know, to be sitting in the room with some of these people that you are, I don't know you're talking to these guys directly, but be sitting in the room and having that same opinion and going up against traditional Hollywood makers and and um, distributors, that's, you have to still wonder, like, is anybody recognizing it? Are we all just repeating the same mantra from years and years and years? And what's the new opportunity? Because I, I love the opportunities that are coming. I, I mean, honestly... Maverick's not being released. This is a great time to get your film in the theater and not compete against Maverick. Maverick, exactly. Why are you holding back anything? Just like... Yes, I had a I had a wonderful talk with the Greater Philadelphia Film Office.
1: They sponsored me for a webinar about marketing yourself in modern media. And it was a lot of local f- directors and whatnot. And I was like, listen, there are small theaters. I gave the example of Bryn Mawr Film Institute. Um, there's another one in uh, in Phoenixville where they shot The Blob. The Colonial Theater, I believe, is the name of it, and they're they're just indie theaters. It's like go to them. Say I've got a film for you. You can run it. You don't have to pay me. It. You can pay me like a hundred dollar rental fee, and I'll let you show it if I can bring my friends, and they'll pay. That's right. Your movie is premiering in a theater. Like that is that's that's what you want. I mean, listen. I know everyone dreams about the big thing, but like that, I mean, that's sort of that's where this is going to all start to shift and you know i'm encouraging people to take advantage of the fact that as you said maverick's not coming out till november and like take advantage of that take advantage of the fact that a lot at
0: this rate you could win an oscar because yeah. there wasn't you, you know. Don't know
1: just put someone pooping it in, in a bucket and you could win you don't know what an academy voter could be sitting in your theater sitting in your theater and be like oh my god we gotta we gotta release this wide like and i'm like that's where the opportunities are. And I think yeah. so many, I mean, huge. I'll, I'll give one more quick example from my talk last night. Cause it was so endemic of sort of the mindset. Um, a woman asked me the question, she's like, so how do I start calling all these agents um, and studio execs in LA to sort of look at our scripts? And I was like, okay, <laughs> first off, don't do that. <laughs> like, it's not going to happen. Like, Find go to Penn or go to Drexel and find a director, a student, a student director who wants to shoot a short film and shoot your movie. Shoot it like a 10-minute clip of it or something. Mm-hmm. And then just get it in theaters. Take it to one of these indie theaters. Take it to the Philadelphia Film Festival. Like do something that is not letting the everybody in LA determine what we see and what gets out there. Yeah. Because that's the mindset that has to break and I think it is breaking. I really do, but it's going to be a slow roll, but that is still a lot of the mindset out there is like, "Oh, I got to get an agent in LA because that's the only way I'm going to make it." And it's like that the pandemic has broken that completely.
0: Yeah, don't try to don't try to repeat the past. Like Yeah. Don't try to repeat it. Don't break out the VHS tapes thinking that, or don't release it on VHS. Please like, don't do it. (laughs)
1: Everyone's still trying to replay their DVDs. And I'm like, I mean, come on guys. Like let's, yeah, let's, let's open our minds a little bit here. There's a lot of opportunity out there. I I mean, I listen, I know the lure of the fame and the fortune is what really drives people to want to, because they think that's the only way to do it. Um, But I do think that influence is waning. Um, and I just really think people just need the guy to help them get there, and that's a lot of you know what Vision Craft Brew exists to do.
0: You know, you were talking about the Peter Bart article. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> and uh, you know, there's it's it's hanging over my head a little bit because there's um, just some other things we're not saying in Hollywood either. Uh, maybe you should give a backstory, but there's just something about the playing the game and trying to play the game right instead of trying to be honest with each other when it comes yeah. to making something or distribute you know telling the stories and then be told right and i wonder if we're creating a totally different filter like if we're creating a filter that only could be seen on content i mean on a um, you know online media content dump like that that uh, we start over like the decision makers are thinking like oh good we can get this on our ott platform kind of a a junk like that's a bad filter when it comes to real real life stories or transformational stories um even just that linkedin conversation we're having with paramount and a thousand the thousand content you know i mean like how's anyone going to ever see anything and navigating that and i feel like theaters used to for better or worse have a curated filter of what was theater worthy mm-hmm. so i didn't have to navigate a thousand plus movies on paramount plus paramount released a, a few movies through the theater and i could watch them mm-hmm. and now almost like the conversations are all just trying to play to some general vague audience and nobody is saying anything anymore and that's the the peter um bark was that
1: not- well peter bart yeah the article it came out i believe yesterday and it was on deadline hollywood it's not it's not the greatest article. i mean kind of it's all over the place it tries to tackle a varied of many issues like the amount of money that some ceos are making and um it, 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 it's just kind of all over the place and then the genesis of it was basically the wall street journal reported earlier in the week that a lot of people are quitting their jobs um, like quitting is at the highest rate it's been since like 2006 um, because so many people are just the pandemic has either shifted their focus in terms of what they want out of life, what's important to them, sort of like reestablishing the the work-life balance, not wanting to be in the office 24 um, seven, but also realizing what they're doing isn't their passion and they want to try something else and they want to do something else and making the millions of dollars isn't getting them the happiness they thought it would. right? And so there's a lot of that shift. And he was, the article started out interesting enough because he's saying like a lot of executives are quitting because they're like, I can't handle the pressure. And there's also this idea that I'm, I'm afraid to have an honest conversation with anyone because I'm worried that I say the wrong thing to the wrong person and my career's over. And there's just so much pressure and stress especially if you're a higher up who has like 20 people reporting to you and you're gonna
0: say the wrong thing and all of a sudden your life is over. But so, I mean, I can make an argument of for that, right? This is what's rattling in my head is like, well, what are they saying? Maybe they shouldn't be saying that, right? That's that's the first argument. And I think yes. we all know that part of yes. it. Yes, yes. But what you're saying is, is that on this conversation, like if I'm gonna learn, if I'm gonna learn about something I don't understand, I have to ask about that. I have to be able to say things that are incorrect in order to get to understand what is correct. Correct. But nobody wants to say the incorrect thing anymore. And that's part of the problem. And I
1: think to myself, like in the creative process, honesty is a, is a way to get to a better product like and, or a better movie. And I don't know if that's, those conversations are happening as much as they used to because everyone's so like oh my god if i say the wrong thing the 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 twitter mob is going to come for me and i'm going to be dragged out to the metaphorical square and guillotined it's like and i think that is very concerning and i think a large part of that goes back to the idea of that everything is just so concentrated in a, a bubble and because it's so concentrated in that bubble it's hard to break out of it and i think that in and of itself is where we're really kind of running into this problem. And we may start to see it. We may already start seeing it because we're, we're seeing all these movies being made that are just based on old IP. They're, they're starting to dive into the eighties and remake eighties movies. And it's like, yeah, there doesn't seem to be any originality. And I'm wondering if that's just because everyone's just afraid to say what they really think. Um, you know, there were, there were, there are some people that came out and said, listen, in the heights was good but was it as great as everybody thought it was well I, I i mean i haven't seen it so i can't judge it but there were some people who said it wasn't that great but all the critics are like oh my god it's amazing because they were afraid to say me oh right you know it's sort of like you know that sort of those kind of cultural conversations are sort of being stymied and listen i'll be the first to say that a lot of things are happening in hollywood that have needed to happen it's great to have diversity diverse voices behind the camera the bullying and the the big a-holes that sort of were dominant in the industry in the 80s are basically you know stymied. I have no issue with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy about all of that. But have we gone too far in one direction um to correct some of the errors of the past and sort of started to stifle a real conversation because if people like even the executives he was quoting, they were they were anonymous because they didn't they didn't want to be quoted. Because they were worried their careers would be over. I mean, that says it all right there. Like, I'm afraid I can't have a conversation with somebody that's honest because I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. Yeah, to me, like, it's the, that's bad, especially when it comes to developing stories. That can be a sort of like a, a vice on really sort of telling compelling stories.
0: I guess even in my mind right now, I'm thinking, like, could I say something to get myself in trouble? You know, like that's it's almost ridiculous as we're talking about something that we're saying. What we want is a clear voice, an understanding voice. But I don't want anyone to to have a sense that, you know, if you are asking questions or you're pursuing some sort of new knowledge, that you're going to get it all right to begin with. Yeah. Um, and that's probably part of this culture, you know, cold cultural revolution we're going through is that the ability to express yourself in any uh true way honest way yeah has the has this need to navigate and hold things back i mean yeah yeah if if all i'm going to do is have an interview with somebody and only just try to say all the right stuff how did i say anything at all because pretty much i could have just given you a a piece of paper questionnaire and you could just filled it in without me even having a conversation with you yeah that's not the genuine nature of how humans work especially in the creative environment. I think that we have a lot of pent-up anger that we need to understand and we might be overcorrecting, but there's got to honestly be people out there saying real stuff. I, I, I watched the um, Ben Shapiro um, interview with uh, Bill Maher. That's a Bill Maher, Ben Shapiro interview. Um, and I don't know how, how old it was. It's part of a... But the, the very beginning of it was an honest, like, we clearly are not the same people. But what we want to have is an honest conversation with each other. Exactly. And neither one of us is going to be offended in that process Yeah. is something of like, that's what's missing is that mm-hmm. can we have an honest conversation where you aren't offended, where you're that um, you're not triggered in that whole conversation to find out what's wrong. And then just, I mean, honestly, then hold back and try to get the, the you know, the, the mob on your side. Yeah. Uh, So you can get a bunch of followers or whatever your currency is out there. Yeah, you brought up Bill Maher, and he's really been on the forefront
1: of a lot of this. I give him props. Like He and I don't agree on a lot, but I will say this. I agree with him 100% on this, and he's been very much about sort of anti-cancel culture and how it's kind of gone off the rails. And this past Friday, he talked a lot about progressive phobia, this idea that we have made no progress in this country. Since the beginning of since 1776, like everything is just as bad as it was then, and we're never going to make progress. So we have to tear everything down. He's like, that's BS. Yeah, we've made a lot of progress. Do we have a lot? Do we have more to make? Absolutely. We're always going to, you know, have to improve, but that doesn't mean that there hasn't been progress. And sort of like starting these conversations where it's like, it, it, as from a point of view, it's like things have never been worse it's just it, it defeats the purpose and you know the fact that he Peggy Noonan and her column today pointed out he didn't get a lot of pushback from that like normally if someone says something like that it's like Wee! like Twitter's all over him but he didn't get that much pushback and that leads me to believe that a lot of people agree with him and say that you know what a lot of important change has happened but maybe we're taking this This is going a little bit off. It's gone off the rails. Sure. And we can't, we can't have on, we can't talk to each other anymore. And with a minute, we can't have honest conversations with each other and really learn from each other. That's when we're in deep, deep, deep shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I, to kind of wrap it up, I think the, where my mind was going with those questions is, is that the entertainment industry has always been an opportunity to have a, have a voice and, and start the conversation. Um, there are some times where now I want to think that the people wanted to start and finish the conversation or honestly, just keep on banging the same drum at the end of the conversation and never have the dialogue to begin with. Yeah. But the opportunities to share a different perspective, create light in in a different lifestyle, understand the historical moments that you might not have gotten, got a, a perspective on before, um. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing what's, when the camera's pointed on a, a certain spotlight of, of people, how much deeper you can understand and get into someone else's thinking. Mm-hmm. That while it was happening in, in your lifetime, it, you wouldn't have understood that or been part of it or um, gained that perspective. And if we hold that back to any degree to push out another 1,000 pieces of content on some OTT platform that's mostly just ch- children's programming, for adults yeah really the um the prolonged adolescence of of (laughs) our culture is just going to go in into in perpetuity like there's going to be no one that says up that they can have a true dialogue and understand what it's like to be an original thinker original processor and evolve the conversation any further that's that's very scary especially in hollywood there's so much opportunity so as a takeaway of this whole episode, it really feels like have an original thought and distribute your film in an independent theater and you can totally <laughs> rock an Oscar in nine months from now. It's so easy.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, you never know. I mean, that, that's what I mean. Like, there's so much that shifted. It's like, I recognize that, you know, there's going to be another leadership class that's eventually going to rise up. And I would hope that they would take from this, this idea that there's a lot that needs to be changed. And the way it's being done is not, the end-all be-all, and uh, we really need to look for new ways to do it. And, you know, we need to, Spielberg's in his 70s, Scorsese's in his 70s, Cruz is getting older, Will Smith. We need to start, Tom Hanks, come on. Like, let's start finding new talent, new stories to tell. Let's quit going back to the same well. And eventually Marvel's going to run out of comic book characters. I mean, we're going to have to reinvent the wheel some at some point.
0: I like how you couldn't tell me Tom Cruise's na- uh, age. We just don't even know those ages. We don't know. Like, we Cruise, don't even know what it is.
1: He's older. He's got so many theotans in him, he doesn't really know how old he is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's only he's, you know, halfway through his thousand years. Yeah, he's
1: almost he's almost at the top of the quest bridge or whatever it's called. I don't know. I can't. <laughs> All
0: right, before we go too far down that path and yeah. really piss off the Scientologists on the planet, um, tell us what's coming up. Who's coming up uh, and uh, being a guest in the in the future for us
1: uh well um i believe cameron dillaveau will be joining us again um hopefully in the next few weeks after oh by the way i believe i called it Tomorrowland. i think it's the tomorrow war whoops whoops. apologies to chris pratt my bad sorry chris um so she uh may be joining us for that cool. uh, i'm also hoping to have sean harron on again to talk about some of the exciting uh things going on in our gearbox they've got a lot of cool things borderlands is going to start shooting soon um, so it'd be really cool to sort of catch up with him.
0: What we need is let's grab Neil from our clubhouse group and pull him oh, into yeah. this conversation with Sean. That'd be pretty fun. Like uh, that
1: would be cool. I would. I that would be a really great. I mean, I think they know each other.
0: We'll have to have Lydia work on making that happen for us. Yeah.
1: Um. And then I'm out to a couple other people. I've got one really, really big guest. I'm hoping we can snag, but again, in true Hollywood style, it's too early to tell. I can't discuss it, but. <laughs> I don't want to say it and then it ended up not happening And I look like a fool So, um, But if we can snag this guest I think it would be a really 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 great conversation Um, And hopefully we can have an honest Conversation and not just a Typical you know So how was it working on this movie Was it fun you know We hope we can avoid that Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed.
0: All right. Well, thank you, my friend. It's always good to have this conversation with you. I love processing Agreed. some of the deeper thoughts too. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, Lydia, thanks for producing this thing. The Go Social team, all the work that you're doing behind the scenes, we appreciate what you have going on, keeping this podcast moving forward. And um, really, if you love what you hear, please subscribe, tell others about it, um, and please, uh, we're open for comments, ideas, thoughts. You can email us, direct message us. Um, we want to hear what's going on. We put enough out there on social media, and some we try to get some, a little bit of edge out there. And the, uh, the really the only thing that we got trending recently is this Nicholas Cage comment by Tim Idle. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I told him he's like,
1: dude, you're you're our very one of our very first viral guests. So you definitely have to come back on now because people <laughs> he's the one. People <laughs> love your comments about Nick Cage and you know his upcoming movie. So you know and Pedro <laughs> yeah, Pascal yeah. and.
0: All right. Have a good week. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah, you too. Thank you. All right. Bye.